0: It's showtime, folks. So now, Ali to the left... Head. Truth is your word.
1: Welcome to the Know It All podcast. We got one hell of a show for you today. We got NBA. We got season preview. We got awards. We got division winners. We got conference winners. We might even have an NBA champion winner. We also got our review show. Finally, a big-time movie. It was streaming, but at one time, it was going to be a theater movie, Tenet, with Rita Cinema. But first, let's get to our man. Achilles Reign. And the NBA season preview continues. Last week we did win totals. Today we're going to do awards, conference and division winners. So you ready to get into it, Achilles?
0: Yes, sir. I'm ready.
1: All right. So let's start off at the bottom. NBA blocks leader. This is a Fun and interesting category, and only degenerate gamblers, possibly like myself. I don't know if I've quite drug you into the degenerate category yet, but uh, by this time next year, you probably will be talking to me in July about who's going to lead the league in blocks.
0: Well, I would like to say that you have dragged me to that point, but I'm not quite there yet, although I think you've definitely drugged uh, the wife down that rabbit hole. So
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll get her on next year to talk about the blocks leader in the NBA.
0: She already has her NBA bets, and she's got preseason bets going on. She's really into it right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't go into the preseason NBA territory. I, I very rarely, rarely go into the NBA territory. I sort of pick and choose my spots. But uh, all right, blocks leader, you ready to go? Yep. The top five in this are White side at plus two fifty. Gobert plus 250 Lopez, Brooke Lopez, not Robin Brooke at plus 400 and then Anthony Davis at plus 400 and Miles Turner at plus 700 it's either going to be Whiteside or Gobert probably for sure I don't see a ton of value there in the plus 250 I had a couple guys I highlighted that I thought would be halfway valuable there but uh, where are you sitting with the uh, blocks leader?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as you. Uh, at 250, there's some value there. I just, you know, it's one of those stats that just could go either way, really. Uh, especially like depending on injuries, or you know, even the slightest thing like uh, the type of opponents you're going to face against, uh, face up against. So I think that this is one of those that, you know, it's more if you really just kind of want to have a little extra skin in the game because like you said I, I personally think that White side is probably gonna take this one but I could definitely see someone like Brooke Lopez you know like really come out and uh, and make a statement but yeah I like I like the favorite I just don't see much value there
1: yeah uh Whiteside who pretty much sacrifices all defense to uh gather any block he can uh is always a good favorite especially if he's getting the minutes uh go uh is just a overall highly skilled defender and gets a ton of blocks. Uh, Lopez, as uh, the defensive system, funnels into him to blocks. I'll be interested to see how much he actually plays this year as they sort of reorganizes that team, but they do funnel that defense into him. But I, I had a couple value guys uh, that uh, I don't know if they could – lead the league in blocks but there might be some value number wise in them the first one I had circled was uh Porzingis at uh 20 to 1 here I thought he's always hovering around that top five in blocks um I think with uh Willie Cauley Stein in there he might be able to play a little bit more off the ball and uh be able to come help side and get a handful of blocks there I'd say about 2.8 2.8 to 3.2 usually is hovering around the leader in blocks. So I sort of liked the value in Chris Steps poor And then I had two long shots, really long shots, that uh, one is circumstantial and one just actually I kind of like. Uh, Norland's Noel, uh, supposedly he's going to be the starting center for the New York Knicks. And uh, Norland's is a, a flawed player, but the one thing he can do is get blocks and steals. He's a little bit like Hassan Whiteside, and at plus 1,000, 100 to 1, uh, I really see a ton of value there. And then uh, the last one, uh, Jared Allen at plus 5,000. Currently speaking right now, that would be a terrible bet, but uh, as he's pretty much involved in every trade that Nets speak of, if he could find a landing spot somewhere where he's the starting center full-time, there's – a pretty good value at the uh, money paid there. I thought.
0: Yeah, and I think this is kind of uh, going to be the theme going forward, from uh, from my point of view. Uh, there's a few situations here where I could see some trades happening, uh, and it affects the uh, the overall positioning for the awards that I I looked at when I saw the odds.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll give you my one bet that I would make. Uh, I gave you some ones I'd value, but the if I was going to put money on anything and have it be held for eight months, this is always the <laughs> tricky thing about this. Uh, all these things uh, you make bets on, but uh, essentially it's like a savings account that's holding your money for a very long period of time. It's an investment. Yeah. Sometimes you get a little tired of seeing that in the pending wagers for eight months, but uh this Norland's Noel value at plus 1,000. Uh, you put a small little bet in there. If he continues to play full-time center for the Knicks, uh, I think he could be hovering around that top three in blocks. So I, I really like the value in Norland's Noel.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really good value, especially like you said, if he's going to be starting, he's definitely going to get more opportunities to get those blocks. So um, at plus 1,000, uh, it's a pretty nice bet.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, it also might be a terrible bet if the Knicks figure out what everybody else has figured out and he's not worth uh, playing more than about 15 or 20 minutes a game. But that can be said for Hassan Whiteside and he just goes after blocks every chance he gets and somehow leads the league in blocks. So you never know. All right, we'll move on from blocks to steals. This is, this is an interesting category. It's a hard one to sort of predict, uh, but uh, Ben Simmons at plus 240 is your... A favorite, uh, Steph Curry at plus four twenty five, is uh second, Chris Dunn at plus five hundred, and then Andre Drummond, uh, at plus eight hundred, Kawhi Leonard at plus ten thousand. Hard to call here. Uh, Ben Simmons, uh, was the league leader last year. Uh, will probably have the most opportunity. I- I'd be a little leery. With Steph Curry uh, at plus 425, especially since I think he'll have to shoulder pretty much all the brunt of that offensive uh, uh, for the Warriors. And Dunn, plus 500. I don't know if you could take him because the way that Hawks team is right now, I don't know where his minutes are coming yet. Drummond's a solid bet at plus 800, but I, I was curious to get your take in the steals leader here.
0: Yeah, I mean, the uh, the consensus favorite for the steals is always going to be, you know, one of the smaller players like their guards. Um, but, you know, for some reason, when I'm looking at the odds for this, and by the way, I think you said Kawhi at plus 1,000, I had to double check that because... Yeah. If it was at plus 10,000. Oh, thousand, I'm 1,000. <laughs>
1: Sorry. At plus 10,000, I'm, I'm already putting money on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when you're talking about Kawhi. But uh, actually, Kawhi, to me, I think he probably has the most value, uh, you know, when you look at these uh, these predictions. I just feel like, you know, defensively, we already know what he brings to the table. He's, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league. And uh, if you're giving me odds of uh, a plus 1,000, you know, this is probably uh, one of those that I might kind of sneak a little bit into. And just like you said, just... Uh, watch as the season progresses and hope that he keeps playing the type of defense we're used to seeing from him.
1: Yeah, I had three highlighted. They were really low down the list. Uh, Giante Murray at plus 3,500 for the Spurs. Real long, likes to gamble uh, and get steals. Uh, I think he might have a chance uh, to break into that top five. Uh, The other one, John Wall, who uh, in years past has been a top sort of steals guy he loves to gamble and go after steals now you're gambling that he still has the explosiveness and can get those steals I think he will get minutes Uh, he certainly will get minutes if uh, James Harden is traded away and if he's healthy uh, I I don't see any reason where the value of plus 4,000 on John Wall wouldn't be pretty good value and my last one uh, Robert Covington he, he's not a great steals guy, but I think he'll play a lot of minutes for the Portland trailblazers and minutes gives you opportunities. And uh, he definitely is the best uh, defender on that trailblazers team. So at plus 5,000 for Covington, those were three that were really long shots that I thought might have uh, a little bit of value there.
0: Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I kind of like your picks, uh, but for me, a safer bet, that still provides pretty good values, Kawhi.
1: Yeah, I, I like your Kawhi. Uh, I don't think I'm going to put any money on this one uh, where I I liked uh, the thought of putting money on Noel and uh, sort of having a, a flyer on it. If I was going to take a flyer on anyone, I think it'd be John Wall just because he, he's been up there in years past. Uh, if he could be healthy, which is a large, large if, but uh, if he could be healthy, I think he definitely breaks into the top part of this category here.
0: No, definitely. It's definitely uh, got the potential to really make a difference and an impact on that defensive side of the ball. But um, I also like the value, so I see where you're coming from. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, We'll move to assist leaders, and I'm not going to lie. I had a real hard time with this one. I didn't like the value of the top guys, but the lower guys, I didn't see anyone who I thought could lead the league in assists. So – Uh, You have LeBron James as the favorite at plus 300, Trey Young at plus 350, Luka Doncic at plus 450, Russell Westbrook at plus 500, Ben Simmons at plus 1,000. So I'm curious if you had a value that you saw in here or anything, because I really didn't have much to go with here other than I... Thought there was a chance that Luca might lead the league in assist. He was up there last year, but I'm curious where you're coming from.
0: Well, when I was looking at this list, what really struck me is that I could definitely see anybody in that top 10 list, uh, you know, taking the uh, the lead, uh, you know, as uh, the assist leaders. But when I look at the value they provide, I wasn't uh, completely sold on it. Um, obviously LeBron James is the consensus favorite. And, you know, I, I think that he's got the possibility to be up there this season, uh, you know, especially as he gets a little older, he tends to kind of dish the ball a little bit more. And he definitely got a, a few more uh, role players on that team during the off season. But I mean, if if I had to take anything here, I I, I kind of like Ben Simmons at plus 1000. I, I, I feel like out of those top guys that could lead the league, I feel like he probably provides the best, uh, safety and value combined, but I mean, I'm not sold on any of them, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, uh,
1: that that's a great point. Uh, ben Simmons and Chris Paul were the two that I highlighted as having some value. Uh, I think it will probably be between LeBron and Luka, but the value there at plus 300 and plus 450, just that's, you'd have to risk at least a high amount of dollars to try to get any value back there, and it's just a little too random, especially with James, where I don't know how assured you are that he's going to play a ton of games or minutes wise, and that just is a little scary there. But uh, I loved your Simmons one. I highlighted him at uh, plus a thousand. The only thing that concerns me there is, you know, he'll have a handful of games where he doesn't really get a ton of assists, and it, he'll go more into uh, drive and score mode. The one I highlighted was a uh, Chris Paul at plus twenty five hundred. Um, he's playing with uh, a great shooter in Booker. He's playing with a, a nice uh, pick and diver in uh, DeAndre Ayton. I know he'll be in the mix. So at 2,500, it seemed like there was at least decent value, uh, depending on if you think Chris Paul can hold steady for at least one more year before his he starts to age out of the position and uh, has a drop-off.
0: Well, I mean, we saw last season, he still was an impactful player, even though, you know, a lot of people consider him uh, on the older side of what you'd like your guard to be at, but he still has, he still has the IQ. You can't never lose that regardless of the uh, physical abilities. And I still think he's got some left in the tank. So what was it? 2,500?
1: Yeah, 2,500.
0: Yeah, 2,500, I think that's a pretty good, you know, pretty solid bet. I, I don't think that, you know, you're risking too much in terms of safety, and, uh, you know, he definitely has a lot of upside. So
1: Yeah, the, the only thing that was sort of bad about uh, Chris is uh, his assists has dropped off sort of each year of the last uh, handful of years. Now, some of that is situations. Uh, he was in Houston where uh, no one – passes the ball at at all and uh, then he went to OKC where he had a shoulder I thought a little more of the scoring load plus he played in that three guard lineup uh, with Schroeder and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander so you know three ball handlers maybe not uh, a lot of assist where this he'll be the main ball handler definitely and then uh, you have a lot of weapons where he can more distribute and I don't think he'll have to score quite as much
0: yeah that's actually a really good insight I, I, I really agree with that
1: yeah, uh, but uh, I I once again, on assist leaders betting-wise, I highlighted Chris Paul, like maybe put a little something there just because it was so large, but uh, it would definitely not be one I was very confident in.
0: No, uh, but it, I definitely see the upside in it, though. Yeah.
1: All right, we'll go to rebounding leader. And uh, I found a couple of ones, that had a little value here, especially since uh, Drummond was such a heavy favorite at minus one twenty five, Into Takuopo the second favorite at plus three fifty, Rudy Gobert at plus four fifty, Hassan Whiteside at plus thirty five hundred, and uh, Damontis Sabonis at plus twenty five hundred. I was curious where you fell on the rebounding leader here.
0: You know, when I looked at this list, I, I there was a couple of guys that I liked. Uh, I think the, the discrepancy in in um, in Payback when you look at the odds, like you said, Drummond's at minus 125. Uh, the the drop off between those first like top ten guys is pretty big. Uh, so as I'm going down this list, I'm trying to think of which teams got you know improved more. Which teams do I think uh, are going to be a lot better, a lot more cohesive? Because uh, all that plays into the uh, rebounding. You know, you got to be able to box people out, things like that. So I kind of like I kind of went with Philly this season. I thought that Joel Embiid would probably be good value at that. at, you know, where he sits at plus 2,500. Um, I, I feel like he definitely has the potential to lead the league in uh, rebounds. He's uh, he's a guy who's going to, you know, go up and go after the ball. He's pretty aggressive. Uh, my only concern with him is, is can he make it through the entire season? But I definitely see him as a possible leader in the rebound section.
1: Yeah. I, I liked that one. Though. That's a smart choice. I had three guys highlighted as I thought were pretty good value. The first one was uh, DeMontis Sabonis, who just eats rebounds. Uh, Now, there's a little problem with Miles Turner down there, but uh, he's been in a lot of trade rumors, and he's actually a really poor rebounder. But he is a very large man who's around the basket, so he does steal some, but uh, DeMontis is just a beast on the boards. And uh, the plus 2,500, I thought, was pretty good value. The other one I looked at was uh, Bam Adebayo at plus 5,000, which uh, he's just... uh, he was in there in the mix uh, for rebounds until that uh, sort of last part of the year. So really good value. And then I I know you're going to like this one. I had a real long shot and sort of a sleeper. Russell Westbrook at plus 10,000. <laughs> now Russ is a rebounding machine. He's going to possibly the worst rebounding team in the NBA with nobody who can rebound. He's a double digit rebounder. So You know, Andre Drummond's about 13 or 14 boards a game. Russ is about 10 or 11 of a game. If he can get three more rebounds on that poor rebounding Washington team, uh, that puts you in the mix. And at plus 10,000, that seems like a decent long shot bet to throw $5 on and Russ goes nuts and starts stealing every rebound for a Washington Wizards team where nobody wants to rebound.
0: You know, at, I just want to make sure you did say plus ten thousand, right? Yes,
1: and that's correct. It is plus ten thousand. I'll
0: tell you what, man. You know, for for a guard, you know that he likes to go. He he likes to go after boards, man. He's he's just that type of player. He's got that type of mentality. Um, at plus ten thousand, I could definitely see myself dropping. You know, a few a few bucks on this. Uh, you know, especially if I if I start talking to the wife about this, I'm sure she's going to jump on it. So I, I didn't I didn't even look that far down the list, but. <laughs>
1: It's yeah he's really way down value. there uh Julius Randall Derek Favors Ben Simmons Kevin Love Steven Adams Tristan Thompson all are ahead of a Mitchell Robinson I was like you know
0: how is that possible I don't know
1: I'm like Russ is a ridiculously good rebounder and better than pretty much all those guys so uh I don't know. It seemed like a $5 bet to win 500. Uh, seems like pretty decent value there for a guy who I'm pretty sure is going to get double digit rebounds for a team that can't rebound at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have a few extra shekels, I think that uh, that type of value, it's definitely worth uh, investing. We're going to call it investing. Yes, Uh because there's some upside there.
1: Well, now the wife's going to take it, and you're going to be watching Washington Wizards games all season long. How exciting <laughs> is that going to be?
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I was already kind of looking forward to it. There you go. They're on the I East Coast too,
1: so they'll be right in your window when you're awake. Oh yeah. All right. We'll move on past rebounder. Did you have a good uh, pick uh, other than OMB? Don't rebounder. I didn't mean to
0: jump. Above. Oh no no. No, I mean, basically the way I'm going down my list, I'm just taking guys that I think provide good enough value and are safe picks. Uh, but, I, you know, as far as the inside goes, I, I just, I like hearing what you have to say, man. This is, uh, you just you just gave me a good one now. I'm probably going <laughs> to jump on it as we speak.
1: We're going to flip the odds. Russell Westbrook's going to be like at number four. But <laughs> why is somebody betting on Russell? That All of a sudden, five bets come in on Russell Westbrook to lead the league in rebounding all right we'll go to a fun one we'll go to the scoring champion all right scoring champion james harden at plus 130 i can't tell you how bad a value i think that is damian lillard at plus 600 luka Doncic at plus 600 steph curry at plus 900 devin booker at plus a thousand handful of good value guys i saw in here uh a couple I really liked. I'm I'm curious to get where you sit, where you're sitting on scoring leader here. Are you a James Harden guy at plus one thirty? I mean, he has been all the way, but uh, it doesn't seem like a year for that.
0: No, I mean, uh, he definitely seems like the best scorer in the league right now, and he has been over the last few seasons. If not, you know, he's within the top three. Um, I just think that the value just isn't there for me. Um, it's a safe bet, but. There's just very little value, so I don't know how I feel about uh, something like that. But there were a couple guys that I kind of like, not huge value, but the whole uh, safety and value, uh, you know, combination is there for me. Um, one was uh, Damian Lillard at uh, plus six hundred. Um, he's obviously a scoring machine. We've seen him, you know, improve his range as uh, as, he, as his career has progressed. Uh, he can hit it from just about anywhere. Uh, on his team, you know that he's always going to be, you know, the number one option. So he's got good potential and I think he's pretty safe bet uh, with some decent value, not great or anything, but pretty good value. And the other guy uh, I thought that uh, uh, Steph Curry um, with the fact that they don't have, uh, you know, Thompson this season, uh, he's going to have a rookie pretty much starting at center. I think that it's going to put the load on him offensively. So I think that this, another, another player that has some decent value at plus 900 uh, but I really didn't feel comfortable about any of the uh, the guys that were deep down.
1: Yeah. Uh well, guess what? We have the same guys highlighted here. I had two three guys highlighted. Curry and uh was one of them for sure and uh, Damian Lillard was another one I thought was uh really decent value at 6 to 1. Uh the other guys I was looking at is uh Unted at plus 1200. He's been hovering around 30 points a game uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, If they bump up his minutes, I don't know if they're going to do that. You know, they blow so many teams out. But uh, at 1,200, I I thought Antetokounmpo was pretty good. Uh, The other one I was looking at was Booker at plus 1,000. He was uh, up to 26.6 last season. So I think you probably have to be around that 29 to 32 mark this year. Um, so, uh, about another two baskets or so, I, I think that could come, especially since they'll be in more games and, uh, trying to make that playoff push and the wild card I put in here, Kevin Durant at plus 2000. Um, he scores with such ease. I, I think he could go to sleep and score about 20, 28 points a game. So, at uh, plus 2,000, I, I thought there was a lot of value there in uh, Kevin Durant. Now, you don't know how healthy he is. You don't quite know what that situation will be with uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Uh, I think Durant would for sure, you know, uh, default to Kyrie because Kyrie wants to shoot and Durant can sort of take 10 shots and score 24 points without blinking. And um, you don't know if... They end up getting hardened, and then you got a real interesting situation of who's shooting what. But uh, those were the guys I had highlighted. The other one I I sort of looked at was uh, Bradley Beal. He was sort of sneaky in the top three last year in scoring. Now, uh, with Russ there, but uh, it might uh, default back to about 26, 25, but uh, I think that Wizards team's going to score a lot of points. But I did like your uh, Lillard and Curry. I highlighted Curry as – one I was going to bet on at plus
0: nine hundred. Well, see, I like you. I thought about Bo for a second, and then the fact that Russell Westbrook is there uh, just completely made me jump away from that, you know, possible bet. Um, and then I thought about Kevin Durant also. You know, he's obviously a scoring machine. The guy's, you know, super proficient. But what drew me away from dropping a bet in that would, was the fact that we still don't know what the situation is going to be with the possibility of James Harden joining that team. Um, now you go back to the days of the big three in Miami and about 80 to 90% of the offense was from those three guys. Could that be a similar situation here? Possibly, especially if that trade happens because you know, they're going to have to give up so much to get uh, Harden in. So I guess it could happen, but I just thought that the possibility to bring in another score would probably diminish his chances.
1: Yeah. Uh, the thing on Beal that I liked even with Russ is uh, Durant won a scoring title with, you know, Russ as his co-partner, and he won an MVP. So I I think Beal will get his shots at least. Uh, now, uh, anyone outside of the Westbrook-Beal uh, foray, I'd, I'd be a little more nervous about, but I think Beal will definitely at least get his shots for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from. It makes, it makes sense. It's just, like I said, I'm playing on the side of, uh cautious yet uh you know thrill seeking at the same time yeah. so. uh
1: what did did you want to put money on one of these guys were you looking at lillard or were you looking at curry i i didn't or both really because uh there are values where you could offset it if one of them wins and one of them loses
0: yeah I mean I I could definitely see a scenario where I definitely get action on both of those guys like you said uh the the value is good enough to where you, you could offset it um but if I had to pick just one guy, I'd probably lean more towards Lillard just because he's an offensive, uh, you know, uh, dynamite. He just can go off at any, any time, uh, with Curry. I, like I said, I do think that offensively the, uh, the weight's going to be more on the shoulder this season, but you know, I, I don't know. Lillard's just very dynamic.
1: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to throw, uh, Doncic at you, uh, any chance there he's getting the same value as Lillard? I mean, he was up around 28-8 uh, last season. Um, do you think that could, I think it e- easily could climb to 30 with a little more efficiency on the three. Um, what do you think of the Doncic's value overall?
0: I mean, I think there's decent value there. You know, his numbers have definitely been uh, trending upwards. as uh, But I don't know. I'd like to see him get closer to like the 29, uh, you know, before i i feel confident about him doing it see you know season after season yeah
1: uh, i'll touch on harden at 130 um he you know he's been so far ahead in the scoring uh race for the last couple of years i, I just i don't see any value but uh do you think he'll even with what it is it'll lead to uh, another scoring title for him or
0: well, see, there's, there's very little value to begin with because he's been so efficient and so, you know, such a high score throughout, you know, most of his uh, career as a starter that the possibility of him going to a big three situation just shies me that that much more from taking it. There's very little value to begin with and then the possibility of having, you know, some other big name players on the team, uh, which we still don't even know how that dynamic would work, but those type of things just kind of sway me away from taking Harden.
1: Yeah, the only thing that would make me a little nervous about uh, betting on these other guys is there are now, you know, rumors about Harden going to you know some other teams, uh, sort of uh, middle tier contenders, uh, who would he would then be traded to, and essentially the ball would be in his hands ninety percent of the time, and then you're back to what he was in the Rockets form of. You know he has the ball the whole time, and he's going to score. Uh, he might need to lose a little weight. I think he's been on the same diet you and me have been on the last couple of months. So,
0: you know, I'm over here uh, tapping on the belly, but uh, it's just it's the type it's, it's the time of season, man. You know you can't count these uh, Christmas calories, holiday cal- calories don't count. So uh, we'll see we'll see how we look compared to Harden when it comes to summertime.
1: Well, uh, we don't. We don't have to go out and play an NBA game in, in another day. So I think we're okay.
0: Yeah. I he, I mean, listen, he's probably pretty disgruntled now. And it's probably one of the reasons why he's trying to make a statement. I think that uh, he'll be ready to go. Once Remove time yourself
1: go. from the strip club chicken wings, please.
0: <laughs> I'll take the chicken wings. You can keep, you can keep the strip club.
1: All right. NBA coach of the year. Interesting choices here. I saw a couple where I saw a little value, but I'm curious of your take. Uh, Steve Nash, the overall favorite, at plus 900. He was not one I saw value in. Monty Williams at plus 900 for Phoenix. Rick Carlisle at plus 1,000 for Dallas. Eric Spolster at plus 1,400. Brad Stevens at plus 1,400. I did not really like any of those top five, but I saw some decent ones down here. Where are you?
0: You know, again, uh, I reiterate, I'm going on the side of cautious with some, you know, some risk. Uh, so for me, I I really like the Eric Spolstra. Uh, I think that at 1400, it's not you know, it's not horrible, but it's also not great. But you saw what they did last season and how they played, especially on that last run. You know, they got a lot of those same guys back and they added a little bit of depth. I think that they're one of those teams that could be sneaky good this season. And, uh, you know, because a lot of people are definitely just kind of making that bubble season, you know, off to just a little tournament. I, I think that he's got the potential to make a you know a run. And if he does, I could definitely see him uh, being top candidate for coach of the year.
1: Yeah. All right, the first one I, I saw that immediately stuck out to me in value was Stan Van Gundy at plus 1,600. Uh, if this New Orleans team turns out to be good, uh, everybody is already salivating over them for some reason or another. I don't know. But uh, if Stan could get this team to defend and put them in the, uh, let's say, middle of the pack of the Western Conference, that will be very difficult. But uh, they have, you know, talent, and that's a pretty muddled, deep uh so it might be two wins separate uh, five from, you know, like the 12th best team in the Western Conference. So at plus 1,600, I thought Stan was pretty good value. Uh, On those same lines, uh, James Borrego of the Charlotte Hornets at plus 3,000. If he can get that team in the playoffs, especially if he can get them in the mid-tier, I I think everybody would jump for joy, especially if he can get ball to – play a uh, good basketball. Hayward, you know, has a revival. Uh, I just, that could be interesting. And then the one I probably will bet on, uh, I thought there was pretty good value. Um, Tyron Lue at plus 1400. He's really liked if he can somehow manage to uh, get this Clippers team to all sing Kumbaya and play Patty cake together. Uh, I think if they win and uh, are at least a, Top two team in the West, I think Tyron Liu will get a lot of love. Now, uh, it made me mildly concerned that Kawhi already said he probably wasn't picking up his option after this year. So clearly, there is still some issues going on. But uh, Tyron Liu at plus fourteen hundred, I thought there was pretty good value in.
0: I mean, I could, you know, I guess you, could, I could see where you're coming from with the Tyro Liu pick, but <clears throat> as a, as an LA native, you know, born and raised in the good old city of angels. The Clippers are known to have a curse. So I I couldn't bring myself to to pick him. I don't think that he's uh, the answer. I think that the Clippers are still cursed. And um, I, I, but i see i see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, uh that being said, i i don't think the clippers will be good. I think it's more likely they end up in a fistfight all year long. So uh but i just thought there was value there and they certainly have the talent to be a top team in the west and if he can get them right, he can get them right. So uh i wanted to talk over a couple who we didn't mention. Steve Nash, the overall favorite here with the Nets at plus 900. I mean, For a favorite, that's pretty decent value. Um, We all love Steve Nash, including the media, so that will be there. He's in a New York network, so that will be there, that off hype. Is there a chance that uh, Steve Nash takes this pretty easy if he, what do we say, uh, wins 46 games and the Nets finish third in the East?
0: Now, I don't want to, you know, uh trash talk the guy or anything like that he's obviously you know a future hall of famer but we're talking about Steve Nash to a Laker fan you have to remember the history between the Lakers and Steve Nash so is he loved by everybody yeah is he liked by everybody and eh, not so much uh but he definitely as a favor he definitely does uh give some value um i just think that there's too many question marks uh when it comes to Brooklyn to really lock him down as the favorite, but you know, as the favorite, he does, he does uh, give some value.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other one I wanted to touch on, the co-favorite Monty Williams with Phoenix. This seems like a terrible value here. He doesn't have a lot of name recognition. He is liked. I will give him that, but uh, I don't think this Phoenix team has a chance to get into the top five of the West. And I just don't see them giving it to a, a number seven or eight C that Phoenix probably would be.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I was a little confused as to why he was in that position also. Yeah.
1: All right, we'll move on to NBA sixth man of the year. Interesting one. I had a couple fun ones. Uh Jordan Clarkson is a favorite at plus seven hundred. Didillo Gallinari coming off the bench for the Hawks at plus eight hundred. Drogic at plus a thousand. Lou Williams at a thousand. Spencer Didwiddy at eleven hundred where are we going here with six man? What did you like?
0: I don't know. I, you know, I had a really tough time uh, when I was going down this list. I just, I don't know. I I really wanted you to kind of sway me in a certain direction because I was really torn. Uh, I didn't see a lot of safety and a lot of value. I think that a lot of uh, there, there's a reason why these guys are on this list. Um, Some of them have a lot of upside. Some of the guys had a you know, down year. So I don't know. I kind of want to get a feel for what you think.
1: Well, Clarkson, I, I knock off because the analytic nerds uh, hate him. Uh, I don't hate him. I, he comes in, he does his job. His job is to come in and score, but uh, I think there's no chance because uh, every analytic weirdo I've ever heard can't stand him because, you know, he's a chucker who doesn't pass the ball but uh, and scores inefficiently. But uh, if you're on the Jazz, you need as many scores as you can, so I think he does his job. Gallo, I didn't love at plus 800. Plus, I'm not 100% sold how long him coming off the bench is going to last, especially if they get off to a bad start. They're going to want to insert him. Uh, and I thought Lou, uh, just too old. He's, you know, he does what he does, but he's already won the award enough, and I don't think they get it. Dragish, uh, I don't think would uh, is going to play enough. I figure they'll try to save him of the playoffs. The ones I had highlighted...
0: I don't, Schroeder.
1: Yeah. Schroeder was one <laughs> at plus 1400. The only thing I that would concern me uh, with the Schroeder bet would be I bet he starts a lot of games. He might be the full time starter, uh, you know, next to a couple guys uh, like Caldwell Pope and them. So if he's starting, he won't be the sixth man. Uh, if he's coming off the bench, then, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of value there because I, I think he'll score a lot of points for this Lakers team. Uh, The one that is my favorite is uh, Davis Bertans at plus 2,000. Really like this guy. This is uh, what you – he sort of built his way into this six man. Comes in off the bench, chucks a bunch of threes, drains a bunch of threes. So he's got the flashy sort of points, you know, quick – Flashy points, comes in, scores a lot of points. If this Wizards team uh, overachieves and ends up uh, in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference with uh, Berton scoring around uh, 16, 17 points, which I don't think is uh, that far a reach uh, for the way he shoots and uh, scores, Uh, that 2,000 value I really, really like. And the other one I had uh, listed was uh, real, real, real real long shot at uh shake milton at plus plus five thousand. he's going to be the six or six man so uh if you are a believer in shake milton he does have the ability to shoot and score uh doc uh knows how to sort of use those guys uh like lou williams like montrez Harold, and uh you know um i think he has a chance um but he also could be a terrible player and out of the league uh, (laughs) before the end of the year. But uh, I, I, I like shake Milton. I liked him at SMU. I think he has some value in this uh, list at plus 5,000. I think he could definitely be in there. I just don't know if he's uh, not enough of a name to really throw his hat in the ring. It might be two or three years before, you know, we see shake Milton in the top part of this.
0: Let me ask you a question really quick. Uh, for some reason, when we started doing the, uh, the intro to this one, I thought we were doing most improved player, but anyways, Um that's coming next. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about Rondo?
1: As a six man. That's interesting. That's because I mean, he's, he,
0: he's definitely shown some improvement offensively. Now he's not known as an offensive type of player. Uh You know, he's mostly out there for his defense, but, and his passing, related, but he, he definitely showed some improvement in his uh, his offensive game last season, I thought. Um, he was really confident in a lot of the shots he was taking, even though he missed a few here and there. I thought that uh, he showed a lot of confidence when it came to shooting the ball.
1: I like that. It's pretty far value. I think it could be. The one worry I'd have is, you. I mean, we all know how Rondo is. He will play probably half the games really hard. And half the games, he will be on cruise control, which I think might hurt his numbers a little bit. But, I mean, if you could get a full sort of year out of him and you could get, let's say, a 10, 8, and 5 with a steal or two mixed in there, and the Hawks, uh, this is probably the key, the Hawks win. Uh, I think the Hawks would probably have to be a, a, about a, 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 probably I'd say a four seed, uh to, you know him do to get any value if they're sitting there struggling for a seven or eight seed i just think uh nobody pays attention on the east but if he could if the hawks could get into that uh like top uh four five six spot and he throws up a you know like a, a ten eight and five and his uh veteran leadership uh i think there's pretty decent value there
0: Yeah, I I definitely see where you're coming from now. I just, like I said, I wasn't too sure about any of these guys. I I kind of wanted to get a feel for it. But would you say it actually makes a lot of sense to me?
1: But uh, at 6,600, there's there's value there. But uh, uh, the other one I wanted to, Carmelo Anthony's at plus 5,000. Now, um, he literally plays zero defense now, but he will be coming off the bench. He can score. If he could get to 18 points a game, Uh, everyone loves him and they want the Carmelo resurgence. So, uh, plus 5,000 decent value there.
0: Yeah. He definitely showed some, uh, some, some signs of life last season and, uh, was really an impactful player when he was in, you know, on the court.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll move on to clearly your favorite award on the year. Most improved player.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the one that I'm really not sure about.
1: How many of these guys did you know after the top, uh, 10
0: to 50. I uh, honestly, after that, it becomes a drop off. And this is one of the reasons why I was so confused. I'm like, how can I pick a long shot when I'm not even sure where this guy's coming from?
1: <laughs> you, you weren't big on the Dort.
0: <laughs> no, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's a few guys that I thought, you know, had the possibility, but again, you know, this is just one of those where I, I kind of, uh, sit back and, uh, and let the expert really kind of school me. Well,
1: here. I'm not going to lie. Um, I struggled on this one too because really you have <laughs> n- there's never been a real true criteria for what the most improved player is. It's just sort of random. Like uh yeah. the favorite here, Jamal Murray at plus 1200. He's already a superstar in this league and an all-star. Why, why would what would he, would he have to score 30 points a game to be the most improved player?
0: Yeah. You know, when I, when I looked at the list or the first time I looked at it, I saw Jamal Murray up there. And then when I looked at it again, they have Christian Wood up now as, as at plus 800.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of Christian, Wood, we might be getting to him. But uh, Murray is the favorite at plus 1,200. Then you go, this is where it's weird. Then you go to Colby White at plus 1,400. You literally have a superstar in this league and a guy who scored uh, about 8 to 10 points a game off the bench for the Bulls as your second favorite. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. at plus 1,600. Tyler Hero at plus 1,800. And Shea Gillis Alexander at 1,400. Where did we go? What do you like in your category, most improved I'll honest, player?
0: I'll be honest with you. When I look at this list, I, I I really don't know where to go. So this is one of those situations where I'm going to put my shekels back in my pocket and uh, just kind of hope for a good season for all these guys. Maybe I get to know them a little bit better.
1: All right. I'm going to give you uh, four guys I looked at, but uh, I really have no idea. You mentioned one, Christian Wood. I'm assuming he probably puts up a decent 18-8 and eight or so, maybe better, maybe a little worse. For the Rockets, um, I don't know how many people know about him. So when he does put up those good numbers, I think people will be like, oh, he's really improved. I don't know how much he has improved because anybody who watched him play last year, <laughs> that's pretty much what he did the whole last half of the season. So I there is value there at plus 800. The next one that probably was the one I might bet on was Michael Porter Jr. at plus 1,400. He will have the most presence. I assume he will make a pretty big leap this year. He will be on a team in the Denver Nuggets, which everybody will be following and know. And uh, he will be probably the most named guy. So at 1,400, I thought there was value there. But um, the other two I looked at, was DeAndre Ayton at plus 1,600, much like the Michael Porter Jr. Uh, value-wise, Ayton will be in the spotlight if the Suns are good. Um, he did throw up great numbers last year. I know nobody paid attention because Phoenix was awful. So I don't really know, you know, if he improves by two points, but they win more games. I don't know if that makes him most improved or not, but I guess, you know, maybe. And the last one I put in there was a, Pretty big long shot, but uh, Markel Fultz at plus 5,000, um, that just seems like a good story. Uh, he's fighting for that starting point guard spot. Uh, there's not a lot of depth behind him at point guard. If he plays a lot of minutes, can go 16-6. and six, The Magic make the playoffs. Uh, maybe the story-wise, we'll get into the media and we'll get most improved for uh, Markel Fultz.
0: Yeah. I, I like your, I like your, your view on it. I think that you um, definitely open my eyes a little bit more to possibilities, but I still don't feel too good about any of these guys.
1: Yeah. The only thing I highlighted, I put a small bet on Michael Porter jr. Just cause I think he'll be in the spotlight. And of those I listed, he probably will have the best numbers discounting Jamal Murray, which I know will have the best numbers. Cause He's already a star player, but I guess if he throws up a Harden and goes for like thirty-five a game, maybe we name him Most Improved. But at that point, I, I think he'd more be in the MVP conversation.
0: <laughs> I think he'd take either one at this point. But all right, yeah, you know, nice little extra paycheck.
1: Yeah, all right, we'll move to a little bit of a more interesting one: NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Gobert, your favorite at plus 300. Anthony Davis, co-favorite at plus 300. Tacumpo at plus 450. Bam Adebayo at plus 900. Joel Embiid at plus 1100. Defensive player of the year. What are you looking at?
0: I'll tell you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, like I said, with the uh, rebound section. Teams that have improved um, enough to work more cohesively as a unit. Uh, because again, just like rebounding defense is a team thing, um, a lot of a defense on, you know, rotating and, uh, and picking guys up and things like that. So I, again, went with Philly and I think that Joel Embiid provides really good uh, value at where he sits. Uh, we already know what we're getting from him and the type of player he can be. Again, the only concern there is uh, the health. Uh, can he stay healthy for the entire season? And if he can, I think that he's got a really good shot at being the defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, Embiid and I had him sandwiched though. I had Embiid and Simmons both on my list. And that also might be the problem uh, where they split the vote uh, because, you know, Simmons is a great versatile defender. Embiid is one of the best rim protectors in the league. And, Some people might prefer Simmons' style of defense. Some people might prefer Joel Embiid's defense. I think there are values in both at plus 1,100 and plus 1,800. But what would scare me is they split, and, you know, you don't end up with either. I had uh, Bam highlighted at plus 900. I thought there was pretty good value there. He made a name for himself uh, this year, uh, and he made a lasting image with that block so people know his name. And uh, that defense sort of revolves uh, around him being that uh, just uh, beast in the paint. And I think Bam's pretty good value. I had one long shot I thought about, and uh, that was Marcus Smart at plus 2,500. With Haywood out of there, uh, it's smart to start. Well, that's fun to say. Oh, smart like to that. start. <laughs> so uh, he'll be aggressive. He'll be getting floor burns. He'll be out there guarding the best guy. Um but I don't know if he's overall – he's a aggressive defender and a good defender, but uh, I don't know if he is overall like uh, a an elite defender where you put somebody where they just shut somebody down, and that's what a, a small guard like that has to be who's just a lockdown guy like a Bruce Bowen or, or Kawhi Leonard where, I mean, you put them on them, they aren't scoring. Uh, smart can be uh, had.
0: Yeah, I like your take on Smart. Um, my concern there is, like you said, he's a really aggressive defensive player, uh, and we've seen it uh, cost him a few times, and uh, there's always the potential for that to happen again this season. So it seems like sometimes when things don't go his way defensively, he tends to get uh, you know, a little overly aggressive and kind of reaching in uh, when he shouldn't be, things like that. So I, I see where you're coming from but I definitely feel a lot safer with, you know, someone like Joel Embiid.
1: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on the top guys uh, briefly on Rudy. Uh, you know, he'll be in the mix there. Top three, uh, the plus 300, I guess that's decent value. If you know that guy's going to be there, especially once, you know, everybody sees his metrics of defense, but uh, hard to judge on plus 300. Uh, the other one I wanted to really touch on was Anthony Davis. It's hard to quantify his value because I don't think everybody sees it defensively, but uh, I think he's legitimately the best defensive player in this league, you know, not an award. But uh, if you were saying, I want to build a defense, I think you'd start with Anthony Davis. Uh, I think that's maybe starting to come around where people will vote for it. Um, The plus 300. Solid value for such an elite guy, but uh, he hasn't been able to corner that award yet. But uh, maybe this is the year where uh, votes start coming to him. Now that he has his championship, everybody saw his value, and uh, he'll be on the big stage with the Lakers again.
0: Yeah, for me with Anthony Davis, um, I think one of the reasons why he doesn't really get noticed a lot for his defense is the fact that he's so far in his younger has been pretty much relied on to be, you know, the offensive guy. Um, and I don't think that's going to change a lot this season. I still think that he's going to be heavily dependent on to put up points. And because of the, uh, the offensive prowess that he has, um, sometimes his defensive, uh, you know, play really gets overlooked. Uh, but like you said, now with the championship under his belt, uh, maybe he brings a little more attention to his defensive play. And, uh, like you said, at plus 300, you know, the top three guys, three uh, first two guys are at 300. Then you got uh, Giannis at plus 450, those are pretty much, you know, safe bets that, you, you know, these guys are going to be, you know, in talks of defensive player of the year. Uh, if you want a little more value, then you take a little more risk, but those are definitely safer bets.
1: Yeah. Uh, I can't touch the honest this year cause he won it last year and everybody will be down on him cause they didn't make it to the finals. So I just stay away. The narratives pour on that one. I mean, uh, these awards are basically narrative based more than actual, you know, a true based of who it's who has the best story who has the best narrative going into it and who people want to vote for at the end of the year so uh I just don't think uh Giannis will be in that uh, mix I mean he'll be in the mix because he's a ridiculously good defender but uh I don't think they'd be willing to give it to him this year we'll get to that too when uh, we get to MVP
0: yeah. And I mean, just based off that logic, you know, definitely makes sense that Anthony Davis would get a little more attention this season, uh, especially after carrying the Lakers, uh, even though he does have LeBron there, but the big story was him carrying the Lakers to that championship. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll go to the fun one. Rookie of the year. Interesting class. Um, I don't think any of them truly stand out as someone you can pencil right in there. Uh, I'm curious where you're uh, living in this. Where do, What do you like? Who do you like?
0: Uh, You know, there's two guys that I kind of like. And I'm going to start off with the guy that I feel a little less comfortable taking, but probably has a little more upside. uh, And that's Anthony Edwards. Um, I just think that offensively, he's going to be able to, you know, showcase uh, NBA type ready talent. um, And I think those type of things get noticed a lot more than uh, who my favorite guy actually is. um, James Wiseman. Uh, I, I liked him pretty much during the whole pre thing. I liked him in the draft. I think that the Warriors did uh, a really magnificent job in snatching him up when they did. Um, he's going to help them out. I think that he's probably, I feel safer with him for a couple of reasons. One, I thought he was most NBA ready when it came to the draft and two, he's going to contribute early and probably often, uh, especially with the uh, the loss of Clay Thompson there, uh, that he might be relied on a little bit more offensively. And I think defensively that he can make enough of a statement to be a rim protector. You know, he's not a uh, elite defender by any, by any means, but uh, he definitely has the potential to grow into one. So to me, I, I feel a lot safer taking Wiseman as my favorite for rookie of the year.
1: Interesting. Uh, I looked at the Edwards. I glanced at I think uh, people are sort of undervaluing. Uh, I definitely think he'll be able to at least have games where he puts up really spectacular numbers. Uh, I just I don't have a great feel on how this is going to play out. A little bit of it scares me into uh, thinking it's going to be a year where like uh, a Malcolm Brogdon... Uh, Wins it. Uh, That's not to say that's bad. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon played on a winner and was part of a winner. He just didn't put up those, you know, stylish numbers like a John Morant last year. And when I look at this list, I don't see a lot of guys who will put up, uh, you know, really eye-popping numbers. I I see guys who will have eye-popping games, and then will get three games where they basically do nothing, and they're two for 11 with uh, three turnovers. So uh, I... I highlighted a couple that I was looking at. Uh, one, Denny Avgia of Washington. I think he's the most stable rookie. Now, his numbers might be 8, 5, and 2, uh, but I think he will affect winning and going by that. Uh, if he's on a winning team like the Wizards, if they win and he's a part of it and he's a big player, I think he might get noticed a little bit. But the the one I put as someone who could gather numbers, if Markel Fultz doesn't turn out to be good, Cole Anthony at plus 4,000 is going to eat up all those Orlando Magic minutes. And he will shoot a lot, and he will get to the free throw line. And it might not be efficient, but he will score points, uh, sort of like he did in college. It wasn't efficient. He got fouls, and uh, he scored points. And at the end of the year, if you're looking at numbers, he might be the one who has the highest points per game. And that's just might be where you vote. And then the guy I highlighted, uh, the problem is team wise, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, I thought really had good value at plus 1600. I think he actually might be the best rookie who plays this year, but it's a weird team who might be really bad, especially coming out of the West in the Kings. And, uh, We'll have to see how that fit goes with uh, De'Aaron Fox and uh, Tyrese and uh, Buddy Heald. But uh, I just thought there was decent value from w- what I've seen Tyrese uh, play in college. He was able to play off those guards, and I thought there was pretty decent value at plus 1,600.
0: Yeah, I, I like where you're coming from. I think that's a pretty good value. Um, like I said, the reason I'm leaning more towards a player like Wiseman is uh, I think he's a safer bet and still provides decent enough alley to make it interesting. Um, I think that the wizards, I'm sorry, the wizards, the warriors are going to be a pretty good team this, uh, this season. Uh, I think that a lot of people are selling stock right now because, you know, of the uh, clay Thompson injury. And I think that even though it definitely impacts that team, I still think that they've got enough weapons to make an impact in the West. And I know that the West is tough, but I think that they have enough weapons to make an impact and uh, if that's the case, uh, my only concern then would be how much Wiseman contributes offensively, because I think defensively he's going to be where he's definitely going to stand out.
1: Yeah, um, I like the Wiseman thing. I'm scared because of the COVID thing. Uh, he still hasn't really played or practiced a bunch. I think he'll get off to a slow start. But uh, that being said, like I, I said earlier, if none of these rookies stand out, and uh, then Wiseman, once he gets into shape, uh, and is capable of playing a, a lot of minutes if he stands out i i definitely think he could take it because he'll be on a, a big flashy team in the golden state warriors and he's a big flashy guy who can do big flashy athletic things for a large man so uh i definitely uh liked the value in wiseman uh the thing that scared me off was uh this covid you know thing early in the season i'm scared he might not play a whole lot the first like month or so
0: yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, this COVID era has been really strange. We've seen it with other sports and other leagues. Uh, it can have a pretty drastic effect or it can be literally nothing. So it's really hard to tell. Um, so I get where you're coming from. But like I said, I, I just think that coming into the, uh, the the draft, I thought that he was the most NBA ready. So that even with the setback, I think that he's probably the closest or the most able to at least, uh, you know, get closer to hundred percent by, by season start.
1: Yeah. All right. You ready for the big one? MVP. Yep. I'm curious. Who do you have MVP?
0: Uh, you're probably not going to like this. Um, I saw pretty, really pretty decent value. Uh, and uh, again, this goes to the trend that I've been following pretty much all day long is the notoriety that they're going to get. And I, I, I kind of like the Steph Curry one at a plus 1100. Again, uh, he's going to be uh, leaned on more offensively. So I think his numbers are going to go up. We already know that he's a really uh, efficient defensive player. He doesn't have to do a lot to, to be, you know, to make an impact defensively. And um, he's going to have guys that are going to open things up for him. He, you know, he doesn't have Thompson. We've stated that a few times already today, but you know, he still has green, and he, you know, now with the rookie there, I think that he's going to make enough of an impact, and I think the team's going to be good enough to where he's going to be in talks. Because, uh, like you said, a lot of this has to do with, you know, how not just the media, but how your peers portray you. And I think that Steph Curry is probably one of the most liked players in the league.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty decent choice. Uh Luka Doncic is a favorite at plus 400 and Kumpo at plus 500, LeBron James at plus 800, Anthony Davis at plus 900 and Steph Curry came in fifth in that one in plus 1100. Uh I think the MV- I think I know. Yeah.
0: I think I sorry, I just I think I know who you're going to go with.
1: Well, one uh I think Luka's probably the narrative fits uh I think that team will probably be a top four team in the West. He was already putting up uh, ridiculous numbers, and it's uh, you know, it's sort of his time. I, I easily mark up Anthony D'Acampo. They aren't going to give him three MVP awards in the in a row. LeBron James is, you know, not getting another MVP award that you know has passed, and uh, I don't even know if he's going to play. Anthony Davis is a little interesting, but. I don't think anybody would get an MVP award uh, on the Lakers if it wasn't James. So I knock him off. So Luka's really hard to pass up here. I had a a couple other guys long shot wise. Steph Curry was one of them. I thought there was value there, especially if he can, uh, you know, take that team uh, into the playoffs and score. Uh, The one I highlighted was your guy who you think might lead the league in scoring, Damian Lillard at plus 2000 thought there was really good value there. If that Portland team grabs like a two seed, he goes for 29 points a game. And, uh, I I just think there's really good narrative there. Uh, the other one I was looking at was your friend, Kevin Durant at plus 1200. (laughs) If the nets are good, he will be good. And I think, uh, that New York market will, uh, just kiss his boots. And I think there's a good value there. Uh, Two long shots. Well, I don't know if it's a long shot. Jokic at 2,200, who's been in the top five of MVP voting two years in a row now. But uh, that's pretty good value for a guy who's been in the top five of uh, MVP voting. I think if uh, they can work their way into the one seed and he throws up, you know, another 20, 10, and 8, there's there's decent value there. The problem is, uh, you know, uh, like I said earlier with, like, the... um, Defensive player of the year, MB Then Simmons splitting votes. Uh, There might be split votes there with him and Murray. And the last one, the really long shot I was looking at, uh, and this team's growing on me, Uh, the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell at plus 6,600. If that team can make the leap, uh, they're healthier, they're deeper this year. If they grow themselves into a top one or two seeds in the West, which uh, before everything went bad and Rudy... Gobert was blowing on microphones, that Jazz team was sitting right there. Uh, I think he could at least put his name in the hat. I don't think the narrative is quite there yet for him to be there, but uh, at least I think if that Jazz team turns out to be really good, I really uh, think Donovan would be a really good value at 6,600.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, for some reason, I kind of had a feeling that you were going to lean towards the big, big long shot at plus 10,000? Uh, Russell Westbrook.
1: <laughs> no, everybody hates Russ now, so I can't go there.
0: But he's been close in seasons past. Yes. I mean, he's been in talks.
1: Uh, I did look at the uh, Dwight Howard value of plus 100,000.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dwight Howard. Hey, hold on. Let me rephrase that. NBA champion Dwight Howard. Joel
1: Embiid goes down and blows out his knee and we get the Dwight Howard resurgence.
0: Oh see, I, I know, I know you love Dwight Howard. I know this <laughs> for a personal reason. Uh you're always uh talking him up and trying to, you know, sell him to any possible team. I I, I know your love for Dwight Howard. If that man uh, goes
1: on an MVP run, I'm probably done watching the NBA for the rest of my life.
0: NBA champion Dwight Howard.
1: Oh, but, uh, the one I really highlighted and the one I think I might put some money on is Damian Lillard at plus 2000. I really like that value there. Uh, what'd you make a uh, Luca at plus 400?
0: I, I mean, it's definitely in the consensus favorite, uh, obviously, but I don't know. I, I feel like there are other guys that are a little more marketable when it comes to MVP, um, I don't see Giannis, like you said, winning it again. I, I, I don't see that happening. I don't think they could let that happen. Anthony Davis, just like you said, I don't see him getting it over LeBron James. Um, I, I like the Steph Curry. I really like your Damian Lillard one. Um, Kevin Durant, the only reason why I wouldn't pick him is again, the possibility of uh, another player coming into that team. Yeah.
1: Um, also, we don't that, know how that's already. Right.
0: Yeah. And he's already on that, you know, the player that'd be coming in is also on this list. So, um, when was the last time that you had two guys that were really in contention for MVP? It's probably been a while. So I think that's the reason why he, he's wouldn't be one of my picks, but I really like your uh, little, what about uh, Kawhi? What do you think about Kawhi? You know,
1: I stared at him and uh, I looked at it and I was like, if this Clippers team is uh, good, uh, the problem is I think he's going to do his thing where, you know, he doesn't, you know, he does his rest on back to backs and he's, you know, playing half the season, so I think everybody hates that now, so I don't think Kawhi will get it. We're going to move from the awards to the divisions. Are you ready to do some divisions? We'll start out in the NBA, the Atlet division. This is easily probably the deepest division in basketball. The Nets, a surprising plus-150 favorite. Celtics at plus-260. Sixers at plus 350, Raptors at plus 400. Uh, the Knicks are also in that division. Uh, any chance you're taking the Knicks here?
0: Uh, no.
1: <laughs> All right. What do you like in this division here?
0: I, I think that one of those teams has kind of improved, and I, I have uh, one of their players winning a few awards this season. Um, I think the 76ers are a sneaky one. I think they provide good enough value uh, and they got a pretty solid team. As long as they can stay healthy, I think that, you know, they have a good potential of uh, winning that uh, division.
1: Yeah. I, I highlighted two teams, uh, Sixers at plus three fifty, Raptors at plus 400. Uh, the Raptors have literally won that division the last like three years. So um, I don't see why we would go against that. Um, and the Sixers probably have the best talent, I'd say, uh, even over the Nets. Uh, now, they all might hate each other, and their roster might not fit, but I think they've made the balance that roster out. Uh, Doc's in there. I think they'll get a little bit of a boost, so I, I like the value at plus 350. Okay, you ready for this one? The yeah. Central Division. Uh I don't know if we can actually have anyone. I randomly picked one on the lower end just for the hell of it. But uh, the box are minus twenty five hundred. Pacers are plus eleven 1, hundred. Bulls sixty six hundred. Pistons plus a hundred and <laughs> fifteen thousand. Uh, <laughs> I can't even read this. Cavaliers are twenty five thousand. All right, uh, I'm going to try to. Make this a talking point. Where are you looking for value in the Central Division?
0: Oh, God. I mean, you know, we, it's pretty much its pretty much a lock, you know, who the top contenders of that division are going to be. Uh, I don't think, you know, we have to spend too much time on this. But, I mean, as far as value is concerned, you want to take a flyer, you want to drop a dollar on one of these teams, uh, you know who it's got to be.
1: All right. Uh, well, I wrote down the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> hear me out Blake That's Griffin it. has a resurgence. We get Blake from 2010. Jaron Grant turns out to be like his uncle Horace. I don't quite know how that works out with Blake Griffin, considering they're both sort of power forwards, but he turns out to be really good. Uh, Killian Hayes becomes the greatest rookie since Luca Doncic. I still don't know if they could beat the Bucks with that, but uh, they might could come in second. So at 15,000, maybe the Pistons.
0: I mean, it's pretty good value. And I, I, I mean, so many things have to go right, though, for that to happen that I don't know how safe it actually is. Uh, that's definitely more of a flyer for me.
1: Yeah, that's a no-flyer. Nobody bet on the Pistons to win the Central Division. The Bucks are going to win that division by 30 games.
0: That's <laughs> pretty much a foregone conclusion already, isn't it?
1: All right, we'll move out west to the Northwest Division, another deep and good division. Nuggets, minus 125. Utah Jazz, plus 225. Portland Trail Blazers, plus 375. Timberwolves, plus 5,000. Thunder plus 15,000. Uh, I didn't like the value in the nuggets. So I had two teams highlighted. Where were you with this one?
0: I don't know. Uh, I, this is, to me, this was a little more confusing. It's not as uh, as obvious. Um, there's some potential for some guys to, to really turn, for some teams to really turn it around this season. But I, I kind of wanted to get a feel for where you were at before I... Uh, really feel confident about any of these?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I highlighted the Blazers, and I highlighted the Jazz. I didn't love the Jazz value at plus 225. I thought that was a little low, especially when you made the Nuggets plus or minus 125 favorites. I do like the Jazz, though, uh, to win that division. But if you think the Jazz are going to win the division, you're probably better off betting them money line every game. So.
0: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say the value in the Blazers at plus plus. 375 is uh, pretty nice. Uh, it will be hard for to convince me that they can hop both the jazz and the nuggets. But uh, I, I mean, I think they'll definitely be in the mix there.
0: Yeah. I could see where you're coming from with that. I, like I said, I wasn't hundred percent sold and you have a, a really uh, good way of kind of selling me on certain teams. You've done it in other sports and uh, with some teams that I wasn't too fond of, but Yeah, I I like hearing your input. I I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, okay. We'll move on to the Pacific Division. Lakers minus 125, Clippers plus 120, Warriors plus 1800, Suns plus 2,000, Kings plus 15,000. Where are you going with this? Uh, Lakers, Clippers, easily the two favorites. I didn't like the value on either of those, but uh, I don't really like any of the other three teams in that division too much.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I obviously I want the Lakers to win being an a Laker fan, but if we're going off of uh value and risk, I, I think that, you know, the Warriors are pretty sneaky. I think that they're uh they have the potential to to play well enough this season to take it. A lot of it's going to depend obviously on how the uh the top teams do there, but I I kind of like the Warriors to be a sneaky one.
1: Yeah. Uh I wrote down the Suns at plus 2000. I I don't know if I could truly convince myself that that's good, but uh, they do have Ayton, Booker, Paul, uh, Sarich, you know. They have some players, uh, Bridges, that can all play. Uh, uh, they aren't quite at the Lakers, Clippers, or even Warriors level, I think. But, uh, you know, LeBron turns old, uh, the Clippers hate each other. Uh, Steph Curry gets hurt. Uh, that would take a lot to sort of sync up into one season, but I guess if all that happens, then the Suns might be uh, okay.
0: I'm shaking my head because uh, so far, I've, I, as far as the West is concerned, I've picked a lot of uh, Warrior players to kind of really make an impact this season, and that's what you come out with. Uh, LeBron gets old, the Clippers hate each other, and Curry gets hurt. Really? Oh come on, man! Uh, I think that they provide pretty good value, and I think that they have a uh, a decent enough shot to to win the division. So I kind of like the Warriors.
1: Yeah, uh, I I I like the Warriors too. I think that's pretty good. We'll move to the Southeast Division: Heat minus three hundred, Hawks plus five hundred, Wizards plus nine hundred, Magic plus sixteen hundred, Hornets plus thirty three hundred. Uh, Heat are pretty heavily favorites in a pretty weak division. Uh, I you probably can guess where. I'm going with this since I've pretty much been on every player for the awards segment, but uh, where are you sitting in the Southeast?
0: I know that there's not a lot of value there. Um, I can see why everybody's jumping on the heat bandwagon. I, we talked about it a little bit, uh, how they put on a pretty good run last season and they've got a lot of the same players back and they've improved a little bit, but I kind of like the wizards. I think that you. Know, what's what's it at now?
1: It's at nine hundred, and uh, yeah. that's where I went too.
0: Yeah, with nine hundred, I mean, I think it provides you know really good value for you know the potential of them actually win that division. Like you said, they've had some really good additions, and they have the potential to be a really solid team this season. So, the Heat, you know, they they had a really cohesive unit last season, and to me, a lot of that play seemed uh, seemed to be based off the players really gelling together, the coaching staff really gelling together. And those things can change, you know, from season to season, uh, especially with additions and subtractions. So could I see the Wizards possibly take it as a vision? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I don't think it's that, you know, far gone of a conclusion that, so I, I like it. at what the value it has. I, I really like the Wizards.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, it shocked me to look at this Hawks and are plus 500 wizards are plus 900 looking at those rosters. Do you think the Hawks are better than the Wizards?
0: I don't think, see. Uh, I don't think they are, but this is just my opinion. Uh, obviously there's people that do this full time and they're much better at it than I am. Uh, but just on paper, I don't see it. Um, obviously the game's not played on paper, but I think that, I think that the Wizards have a really good chance of being a sneaky, uh, you know, up and coming team uh, that, like I said, if things go right, they definitely have the potential to win the division.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I was thinking Hawks more around magic level as they're fighting to get into that eight spot. I, I think the Wizards will be in there pretty easy around a six or five.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely, I could see that happening. And, Um, that's why, to me, I think they provide the best value with the most safety.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll move on. Mavericks minus 185, Rockets plus 425, Pelicans plus 500, Grizzlies plus 1,400, Spurs plus 2,500. Uh, I highlighted the Spurs just because I needed somebody to highlight uh, because I think the Mavericks are running away with this puppy.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think that's the case even if Harden stays in Houston?
1: Yeah, I think they're. I think the Mavericks are just better than Houston right now. I, I guess maybe if Wall's healthy, that might level things off. But I'm not a hundred percent sold on that, and I don't even know where Harden's head at. I think the Mavericks roll in. actually at minus one eighty five, where you're looking at like the Heat at minus three hundred, uh, you know the Bucks at minus twenty five hundred. I think there's halfway decent value in the Mavericks uh, at minus 185. Uh, the only thing uh, I'd say about the Spurs is that plus 2,500, you never know. And I certainly wouldn't ever make them last in division in a division that has the Pelicans and the Grizzlies.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, uh, you compared to the Heat, I think the value is there if you wanted to, you know, kind of go on the safer side. Um, but I agree with you as far as Houston's concerned. I think that, there's just too much conflict regardless of who stays and who goes. I think that uh, because the, the lines were drawn at the, on the sand, I think that there's the chemistry is just going to be off uh, and I don't feel safe about them. Even, even at, you know, a little bit of value that they have. Um, if I had to pick one, I, I I don't like any of them, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the, uh, the, the underdog of the Spurs because of, Popovich so that's yeah, pretty much it
1: that's pretty much where I was I was like I think they probably are better than two of these teams uh they aren't better than the Mavericks and who knows with the Rockets the Rockets could be the worst team in the division by freaking March so no telling uh we'll move on to our conference champions uh I'll just read off the ones who are contenders i i won't drop down into the bottom tier granted the west that's pretty much every team but uh lakers at plus 130 clippers at plus 360 nuggets at plus a thousand mavericks at plus 1400 warriors at 1400 suns at 2200 blazers at 2200 jazz at 2200 i don't put the rockets or pelicans in there i'm cutting it off at the jazz where are you going conference wise uh why don't you give me your overall pick and then uh, what you think is good value? Uh,
0: I mean, for overall, obviously I I have to go with my team and the favorite to pretty much win. It's the Lakers. Um, Do I think they provide value? I think for being the consensus favorite, they provide decent value. Uh, But if I had to go again, I'm I'm, I'm kind of on a little, you know, bandwagon thing here. Uh, The golden state, I think provides really good value at, uh, what, what's sitting at right now?
1: I think it was uh, Golden State is 1,400.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it's gotten even better from since the last time I looked at it. Uh, like I said, I think this team's going to be much improved. Um, maybe, you know, not as good as I thought they would have been if they would have been completely 100% healthy. But I still think that the uh, the additions that they made uh, were enough to get them, a, get, get them high enough to make an impact. And I think that they have a shot maybe not a a really good shot, but I think they have a pretty good shot at, uh, you know, winning the conference. uh, And at that type of value, I think that it's definitely one of those safe, safe enough to take, but you know, there's enough uh, skin in the game there to make an impact.
1: Yeah. Uh, Overall, uh, I want to see how LeBron looks first before I I say Lakers, if LeBron looks uh, good to go, I think it will definitely be the Lakers. Uh, the Nuggets, I think, are the, probably the second favorite, uh, but I didn't love their value at 10 to 1 there. Just, uh, it's too much of a gamble on whether Michael Porter Jr. becomes an impact player or not. If he's an impact player, uh, I move him, you know, right on that Lakers line, but, you know, asking a third year, really a second year guy to make that jump, uh, really uh, a gamble. I'd. Bumped down the Mavericks. I don't think they're quite ready to make that run uh, to the finals yet. The two I highlighted, who I've been talking about most of this day, Trailblazers at uh, 2,200, Jazz at 2,200. A lot of veterans, uh, a lot of good players. Um, I, I, The Trailblazers were in the conference finals uh, two years ago, so I think they're right there. They built this team. And uh, it might be one of those things where, uh, like the Mavs, uh, circa, I believe it was 2010, where they chop that wood, and uh, it finally that tree comes down and the, they make their run in into the finals there.
0: Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. That makes a lot of sense.
1: All right, we'll move on to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Bucks plus 220, Nets plus 250, Celtics plus 650, Heat plus 800, 76ers plus 900. I'll say the Raptors, but I definitely cut it off there at plus 1,400. Where are you going, Eastern Conference?
0: To me, the Eastern Conference is a little bit more of a, um, it you know it's not as good as the West, obviously, and uh, the talent is is pretty sparingly, you know, it's it's mostly on the West. So the East is a little easier to predict, I think. Um, now I'm not saying it's easy to predict who the winner is going to be. I just think that it's easier to predict who the top five teams are going to be in the East. Um, but for me, value wise, I. I didn't really feel good about a lot of these odds. Uh, I think that if I had to do anything, I would probably just uh, go ahead and roll with the, the 76ers. at was 800. Uh, yes. Uh, so I think the 76ers 900. provide 900. Okay. I think at, at 900, they provide, you know, a good enough value to where I feel confident about it. I think they've had enough tools to possibly make a run. A lot of it's going to have to do with health though. Uh, can they all stay healthy? Uh, but I think they've got they've got the pieces in place to possibly you know get a good enough record to to make a run. Now I think that they're probably a better uh, regular season team than they are postseason team, um, and I think that plays a lot into it. But if I really had to take a flyer on it, uh, kind of the Wizards are a huge underdog, and, and I think that they've improved themselves enough to where they could be sneakily good.
1: Yeah, forty one is uh, a real uh nice value i highlighted two uh my overall pick i i think this is the bucks year i i think they'll make it to the finals i don't know if they'll win it but i think they'll make it to the finals uh but the heat at plus 800 they did it last year uh, uh some of their young guys might be even better this year i i like uh their draft pick and uh precious achunwa so you know, I think they'll be improved and plus 800 for the team that made it last year. Seems like pretty good value. And the other one I highlighted was the Sixers a lot of talent on that team plus 900 decent value. I don't know if they can put it together. All right. So we've made our way through the conference. Now we're to the championship. Why don't you give me your winner and then give me what you think the best value is.
0: Okay. For uh, NBA champs, Uh, my winner this season is the Lakers. I I still think that they, I think they actually got better than they were last season. Now, granted last season was a little weird because of the bubble, but I I think that it was still a struggle in itself. You know, all the uh, struggles they had to go through as far as isolating themselves, being away from family members uh, and being locked in into one particular uh, location. I'm sure it played into the mentality of uh, each player in their own way, but I, I think that mentally they're probably a little bit stronger this season. They've brought in uh, some key role players, uh, you know. So they're still my favorites to win the game. Uh, value wise, I really like the Warriors. Uh, it, I think 2, it's at twenty five hundred. Yeah, I think at twenty five hundred. I think, like I've said, I've been saying it pretty much all day long. Uh, they're. Imp- they're improved enough to where they could get back into contention. You know, it wasn't really too long ago when everybody expected them to be the consensus number favor- number one favorite in the West. Um, not a lot has changed. Yes. They've lost, you know, a big marquee player in, in, uh, in Durant, but they were still a solid teaming before Durant got there. And they were still a favorite before Durant got there. So, Yes, the loss does hurt them. Yes, the Klay Thompson injury is, is huge, but I think that they have enough death the, on that team to, to make a run. I don't think they're probably going to have the best record in the, the conference by any means, but I could definitely see them possibly get into the final dance. Um, so those are my favorites to win it. Um, I don't know if you want me to tell you who I think is going to be in it. Go for it. To me, Uh, as far as odds are concerned, I think that the Bucks Warriors probably has the best payout, uh, and it has a really good, I I think safety wise, it's safe enough for me to feel confident about it. I feel confident that the Bucks, that this is their season, like you said, a little while ago, I also think that they're going, you know, all the way to the finals this, uh, this year. Do I think they'll win? Uh, I'm not sure. I think that they are still missing a few key components. Um, but they've got, you know, one of the best players in the league, and that's enough to get you to that spot. Uh, but I really like the Bucks Warriors at plus 5,000. I think that that's my pick for NBA Finals.
1: That's nice. All right. My favorite, I'm going to lean towards the Bucks. I think the karma is good this year. Giannis signed his big Supermax. He's going to be a Buck for at least five more years. Uh, so I, I like the Bucks. Um, I also like the value in the Bucks at plus plus fifty. 550, so I don't think that's too bad. Uh, The Mavericks at plus 2,500, uh, if a lot of things break right, I think they could maybe finagle their way in there. They certainly have one of the best players in the league in Luka Doncic. Chris Tapps Porzingis could be one of the best players in the league if he can stay healthy. So when you have two of the best players in the league, that puts you in the mix, and at 25 to 1, you know, that's a flyer. You take it maybe, and the other one I highlighted, uh, we've mentioned uh, pretty much this whole time: the Blazers at forty to one. You know, uh, I see a lot of resemblance to this uh, that Mavs team that won it. Uh, they've stayed together, they fought, and uh, maybe everything sort of breaks right for them this year, and they make their way in there. And at forty to one, that seemed like pretty good value too.
0: Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense to me. Um... I've really just kind of been on, you know. Did you know, want me partic- to give
1: you my Pistons thoughts at plus uh, 50,000 and how they get
0: that? <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. Uh, if you want to talk about a long shot, I mean. Uh, I
1: was going to break down what has to happen to every team in front of them to for them to get their way to the finals.
0: We, I think we've got about, you know, what, five hours before we, uh, we have to clock in. To the uh, nine to five, as they call it. Yeah, it Uh, it
1: might take that long for me to break down everything that breaks right.
0: Or, you know, we could always split it up into two different shows. Uh, We'll just continue with the rest tomorrow because that's going to take some time.
1: Yeah. All right. That's our NBA season awards preview and conference division and championship Be sure to be ready for the NBA season. We'll definitely have our picks coming up on the drive and dish podcast, especially with some daily fantasy plays as well. I might even be able to talk the Achilles reign into giving me some NBA picks throughout the year. I don't know, but, uh, he I'll certainly make sure he looks at the line. So he learns NBA betting and how actually terrible it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how confident I feel about betting on basketball. Uh, I've been obviously uh, more of a football guy, but, you know, this season has been really weird, especially with the whole COVID thing. So I definitely feel my betting hand uh, a little itchy here. So we (laughs) might have to jump on some of that action. Joe, where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. You can find me on Instagram at also TD Achilles.
1: All right. We're going to join Rita Cinema and review the movie Tenet exciting our first actual full-length feature movie release granted it was streamed but uh, <laughs> technically speaking this was going to be a theater movie and uh, didn't it made it to theaters but didn't
2: quite make it to theaters i think this was also our first blockbuster that were yes i mean it was supposed to be a blockbuster movie that we're reviewing
1: well i didn't quite get it but i was entertained so what did you make <laughs> a tenet
2: Okay, well, you're going to find I have very similar thoughts. This is our 10th movie review segment of Know It All, and this Christopher Nolan film is about the hardest one for me to review so far because, frankly, I can't quite figure out what it's about. It's bad. And yet I was on the edge of my seat through most of it, which, of course, is good. Um, there are many complex themes and complicated scenes, and I think you spend most of your time... Um, on first trying to figure it out and try to figure out what's going on and then follow it. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but it does tend to take away from your enjoyment sometimes. There's no question that this is the kind of film you need to watch more than once. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly have gotten everything in one Uh, showing however i'm sorry to say that i'm going to coast with what i've got i've watched it once and save my two and a half hours of my life for something else um i can uh convey kind of the basic plot of the film unless you want to interject something else at this point no go for it (laughs) okay uh john david washington plays the lead as the protagonist and basically that's all we know him as, that's his, the protagonist. And he is basically, he's hired by, the, or, uh, I, I'm not even sure who hires him, but he's basically charged himself, with... Himself, probably. Yes, well, we don't know. It's all a, con- that's p- <laughs> part of it. It's all this big loop that we find a little more by the end, but you're still questioning what the heck's going on. But he's basically charged with saving the world from a catastrophe of some horrible dimension but neither he nor the viewer really know what that is we just know it's horrible uh he's joined by neil played by robert Pattinson, and we really don't know much about him either and frankly it's kind of hard to know who the good guys are in this film and and i'm as i watched it i wasn't sure there were any good guys i started thinking maybe they're all bad guys um The protagonist, after he gets the assignment, he's instructed to visit with this scientist. And he finds out that time inversion is the key to what this really bad Russian guy, Andre, uh, played by Kenneth Branagh, is perpetrating. Um, So this time inversion means that, for example, I mean, this is just a very simple example I'm giving you, uh, bullets can fly backwards in time people and objects can be inverted so that everything that they're doing is running backwards in time, or forwards in time, and it can all happen in the same scene of a movie, and in fact, it does. In some of the scenes, you you see you see actions and people and and um, uh, going backwards in time, and some of it moving forwards in time, and it's all the interaction of these this time inversion. And um, ooh, uh, believe me, it's it's even much more complex than that. But that's about the most precise description I can give you in in, um, a short time. Um, Also interweaved into this, of course, is that you have this nine-piece or nine-part algorithm, which is a weapon that is scattered across time and place, and if the pieces are put together, it will basically end the world. Now, this Russian Andre is working with others to pull all these nine pieces together of the algorithm. Um, and just as a sidelight, he is dying of a terminal intra illness and is determined to take the w- world with him when he dies. So he's trying to bring about the end of the world. Um, I believe if I got it correctly, too, he's working with people in the future to do this because, you know, that's the whole idea in this is that they think they can reverse uh, entropy uh, on Earth and climate change and things like that if they go back and and destroy Earth, although I don't quite get that either. And there is that, oh, I've forgotten what it's called, but the, the grand, grandfather, um, what, there's a word they call it in, in the movie anyway, where if you go back, you know, if you go back and kill your grandfather, does that mean that you don't exist in the future? And that's kind of what this is uh, all about entwined with. So then we also have Andre's wife and son that are part of the plot, and and I won't go into detail there, but she and the protagonist and Neil, along with a lot of other very tough and mean combat troops, are set to battle it out for control of the nine pieces of the algorithm. Um, Now, I will tell you, that that's the basic plot. Uh, This is a drop in the bucket (laughs) in terms of the plot or the story. And you also have such concepts as temporal style or steel and temporal pincer movement. And all of that has to do with moving in and out of going backwards and forwards in time. And even the word tenant has a very important aspect that relates to the drama that I'm not sure... Um, I really can't explain very well, and it, so it's going to left left uh, be left unexplained in my part of the review. But um, yeah, because if I go in detail on all these other things, uh, this review would last as long as the movie. I think <laughs> so. Maybe I don't. You have some other well, points uh, to add about the story. You
1: know, story wise, I think you pretty much hit it. It's it's a complex, complicated story, and I actually think. Uh, you aren't totally supposed to understand it. That's the sort of the point of it. You're supposed to be trying to figure it out as it goes, because actually the characters who are currently in the present time are trying to figure out as it goes too. Uh, you know, current John David Washington's character, the protagonist doesn't quite understand it. He really doesn't understand it, even in the uh, closing scene where they're about to go on the battlefield. And, you know, he's like, I want to be with the Red. And, you know, the other guy says, no, you don't understand. You have to be here and here and here. And so it's supposed to be complex where you don't understand or know what's going on because, really, I don't think anyone who isn't from the future quite understands what's totally going on either so i think that's sort of a part of the story uh line that it is it's going to be complex where you don't right. know what's going on they don't know what's you going on you can't wrap your mind yes. around it
2: because you're not supposed to i yes i do get that and Um, And some people watching the movie will like that and some people won't, (laughs) you know. And um, basically I'm in the won't category, but I'll I'll touch on that a little more later. Um, Here are some of my overall thoughts, basically, on the film. I I thought the cast was adequate, all were very good, and and they convincingly carried out what is a very difficult story and and the action sequences. Um, I do think it is without a doubt... Uh, a masterpiece of filmmaking. Um, I'll give Christopher Nolan, you know, uh, gold stars there. Uh, the craft craftsmanship, I, I think you can use that word, uh, um, is magnificent, and basically it's what makes the movie. It's the star of the show, so to speak. Um, you find yourself watching some of these incredible action fi- scenes in this film and thinking, or at least I did, and thinking how in the world did they ever put this together from idea to finished film. I think it must have taken, I don't know how long they worked on this film, but it must have taken a very long time. It's really, um, the sound, the music, the cinematography, the editing, the way it all comes together is just beyond impressive. I I, I mean, it just makes the movie, and it is what keeps you engaged. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced anything quite like it, in terms of watching scenes where you have things moving backwards and things moving forwards in time, and you're trying to put it all together in your mind, but just to watch the incredible skill it took, or think about the incredible skill it took to put uh, that movie together. There is a car chase scene that will be unforgettable. Um, The battle scene at the end, uh, and then not to mention that scene where they drive the Jet airplane well, into that's the airport hangar. actually oh, probably my, my
1: favorite scene, both yeah. of them, because uh, yeah. they pull the heist twice. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, yeah,
2: that's right. They do it twice. They the, show it twice. The yeah. first
1: is the heist yeah. of the art piece. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I love the whole setup of that, of uh, Robert Pattinson getting in there and... Uh, you know, right. getting all the information and then them trying to pull off this heist scene in there with while they're crashing the plane. And then right. I think what actually caps it is later on down the thing when they come back in and time they do it, and it, they have to do it, do it backwards. In, essentially in reverse. Yes. And uh, that's Incredible. sort of when uh, uh,
2: you find out that
1: they're essentially fighting themselves. <laughs> yes. And, uh,
2: and I read that there was very little CGI used in this movie that you know, I, I don't know whether... I, I don't know what they did, but...
1: it's No, it's, uh, it's a lot of old school uh, filmmaking. That's, Nolan is oh, wow. not a huge CGI guy. He will set up and you know well, that's why the plane looked so real going into the building cuz it probably was a real plane being I driven think, into the
2: yeah when you see these scenes you understand why it cost a whole whole lot of money to make this film it cost
1: 200 million dollars <laughs> to make this film not anyway, counting what and, uh advertising went into it but uh also that car chase scene i thought un- was
2: unbelievable just it? ridiculous yeah. going
1: uh and in forward and reverse and, and, and right. also they Didn't they the, redo that yes. one? Too? Yes, then they retold yeah. it coming yeah. backwards from right. the. Right. Uh, I guess it would be the future's point of view coming into the past instead of the past going into the
2: future. This is point not like view. Blues Brothers <laughs> car scene, This is like really, it's an incredible scene, uh, two scenes uh, that I don't think you've seen anything in film no. like it,
1: and. Uh, uh, uh the last the battle scene was just uh executed to a, a flawless precision where you got the past and, and the, the future, future,
2: coming to get,
1: yeah, coming together, and the although, buildings being destroyed and then and, and repaired.
2: Back. Yeah, although I had a horrible time following well, that because I was <laughs> like, "What is, is happening here?"
1: Well, once you get into the pit, and Robert yeah. Pattinson has gone back in time and forward in time a, a handful of times, it it becomes hard to keep up with what well, you timeline. sort of don't care
2: at that point. You just want to know what's going to happen in the end. Um, but uh,
1: I also I. Really enjoyed the cast. Uh, I thought Brana yeah. was really good as uh, I say, quote unquote, the villain. Yeah, uh, he, and he
2: had to do a Russian accent, and no one ever sounds good with a Russian accent, but he actually carried it off pretty yes.
1: well. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, John David Washington. Uh, this is now two movies in a row. I thought he's been really good in mm-hmm. uh, going back to his Black Klansman. Now, um, yeah, he certainly has the benefit of getting to work with Spike Lee and Christopher Nolan essentially yeah. on his first two movies. Yeah, which that doesn't hurt, you know, does it? That's always yeah. nice to get to work with really genius filmmakers. <laughs> um, but uh, And I thought Robert Pattinson. It, I thought again, he was
2: really good. Uh, and
1: if you take away his Twilight, uh, he has yeah, actually it's been... it's too
2: bad that th- sticks in people's that's minds what it, about because him, Because he's
1: been really good, and uh, I would suggest anybody uh, to watch The Lighthouse, which came out last year. Oh, right. Which is also excellent, uh, uh, William DeVoe uh, being also in that uh right. Great film. Uh, he's done a lot of good work. Uh, so ignore the sparkly twilight. Get that out of your head. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he's very good in yes, this. Yes, he's great yeah. in and this. And you know
2: what? He partners really well with John, uh, the uh, protagonist, the Neil character, and the protagonist character. I think they work together well because yes, they're very they, different kind yes, of two styles. Sort of yeah,
1: very different styles. The,
2: the other thing I, meant, I was going to mention too is there is just a lightning pace throughout yes, this. That's the thing it's, it's boom, a boom, boom. long movie but yeah. the scenes but it, yeah. uh
1: come and go in short right. you know burst of action and then uh as they're saying, it moves along. Next know. X and sequence. It's,
2: it's just hard to understand at some time at points. Yeah. And that, to me, slowed it down in my mind because I was trying to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, you're trying to but think But I will through say, it. it's it's really too bad. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Well, that's it what, is what, I was what it going is. To but say. it's too bad that we had to watch it on our TVs, yes. even if we have this big screen is, TVs, as opposed to seeing it in a movie yes, theater. This is
1: Nolan always. Uh, should be viewed in the movie theater it's just a you know sad case of what it is for 2020 and bad timing and it's one of those things where we had to watch it it was still excellent but uh i'm maybe uh in a year or two they'll re-release it in the theater and we'll get a chance to view it there but uh, i don't know
2: if i could sit there. i may making me a year i can sit there well again. that's what it <laughs>
1: But the other but, thing, I thought this was sort of a brainchild uh, that combined a couple of Nolan movies in um, there. Yeah. Uh,
2: Inception, his first big probably, one, yeah.
1: Memento. Oh,
2: Memento, yeah. And
1: then a little Inception and a little Interstellar, mm, all mm-hmm. sort of weaved into one sort of action weirdo movie. Weirdo movie. <laughs> weirdo movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and the other thing, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but the uh, cinematographer,
2: oh, yeah. Hoyt,
1: Hoyt Van oh, Hoyten Hoyt yeah, Emma. Yeah. Uh, uh, If he doesn't get an Academy Award, something's going to be Uh, wrong. Swedish man, but uh, I can't pronounce the name, but uh, he's worked with Nolan a couple times, but this was uh, extremely... uh,
2: No one will top. I I mean, really, if someone tops this someday, I'll be shocked. Yeah. uh, But uh, go ahead.
1: Well, I just... uh, Unbelievable work, uh, the way he set this whole movie up uh, visually. And, uh, and
2: the way they worked the music in, actually, I thought... Well,
1: that's that was the other thing. I've was, seen...
2: I, I read some criticism of that, but actually, I thought the music made it m- better, and it, and it didn't overtake the film. It wasn't like the music was hitting you over the head. It just... The way they did it at certain periods of time, it... I mean, the, certain kinds of music would come in when they yeah. were doing certain things, and it helped explain the scene, almost. By well, the,
1: that's what I wanted to... I thought the sound and music were great. It got some hammering, but I think that's just because it might have been more a main part of the film than the actual dialogue, but that's okay. Uh, that's how movies started, uh, silent films backed with music tracks, that, you know. and oh, uh, I don't know about And Nolan's always been more of a, a sound and music guy. Uh, if you want to go watch Dunkirk, there's yes, very right. little dialogue through right. that whole movie. Uh, and well, it's that all, was visually. It's all visual and right. sound, yeah. uh, you know, right. and... That one's uh, this one has a little bit more dialogue in sandwiched in between, but uh,
2: yeah, because they're trying to explain the yes, concepts. But uh, you know.
1: I thought it was just great uh, sound and uh, music uh, backing track on there that really puts you sort of in the film.
2: They're trying to explain temporal mm-hmm. pincer movement, yes, <laughs> anyway. With all this said, uh, I'm afraid the production aspects just can't uh, overtake my lack of understanding uh, and kind of buy-in to this story. I, it just was, this, the film overall, I mean, take out the really astounding spectacle that you're watching, it just was not to my liking. I really can't appreciate what went into it, but I can't really say I liked the film and I'm, I'm going to, um, one of the, the lines from the movie when the scientist uh, is explaining this time inversion to the protagonist is, don't try to understand it, just feel it but I'm afraid I could do neither with this movie (laughs) (laughs) when it
1: came right down to it. (laughs) I only really had one criticism. I I didn't like the uh, woman actress. Uh, Oh, yeah. Not Uh the actress overall. The the one who played played the wife,
2: uh, Andre's wife. Yes, she
1: played her part perfectly fine. I didn't like the character. I thought It it was kind of slapped in there, didn't it? It Just sort of, you know, the abused wife with wanting her son and can't Mm -hmm. leave and all this. And I thought that was just sort of, a way to get uh, the protagonist to meet the angry Russian
2: more Uh, than anything. Do you think it was sort of to make the protagonist a little more human because he had feelings for her, and at times he was willing to kind of adjust his mission? (laughs) By feelings, I don't necessarily mean romantic feelings. I mean he cared about, he didn't want anything to happen to her. Correct.
1: He didn't want any, which made me probably... Kind uh, of question question the whole, yeah. even more. He's, yeah. just,
2: He's trying to save the world, but he wants yes. to save this woman too.
1: That was what I got. We're saving the world, but we're also protecting the one woman. And the mission seemed to be like, you know, I don't mean to be cruel, but uh, screw the woman. <laughs> Let's yeah. make sure everyone else is Let's safe save here. the world,
2: yeah. Okay, well, uh, I, I think probably, um, you know, I'm going to be accused of just being rather stupid and having, well, maybe stupid tastes in movies, m- in movies are lacking in sophistication. But frankly, no matter how hard I concentrated on it, I just couldn't follow this movie very well. And I couldn't wrap my mind around the whole concepts of time and the relationships of the past to the future as they happened at the same time. Uh, You know, it was good. It was interesting to watch, but I couldn't Get my brain to just take it in and understand it. Um, and frankly, when I went to write the plot summary, I usually have a little narrative of plot summary on my reviews. I had to kind of go read what some other people had written because I wasn't sure I could do a plot summary on my own. Um, so I, and actually, you know what? That kind of helped. Reading some articles about it after I'd seen the movie um, helped kind of, it did help me a little bit um, in, in terms of understanding it and, and to understand what people were. Uh, who were watching it, both reviewers and just the average viewer uh, thought of it. But I have to tell you one of my favorite quotes that came out of a review, and because I'm going to quote it, I, I want to give the review the person who wrote it credit. His name is Owen Gleiberman, and he writes for Variety magazine. And he this is really going to make me sound stupid, although I thought it was rather clever. He said um, he liked it. He had the same kind of feelings. He liked it, but didn't like it. Um, but he said, if I were teaching a course on Tenet, my one homework assignment would be find yourself a good James Bond thriller and watch that instead. <laughs> and frankly, I kind of had those thoughts at the end of the movie. Wouldn't I have enjoyed James Bond, uh, a good James Bond movie more? So that sort of sums it uh, up for me. But I I will say that I, there are many devotees to Nolan's work who, who really love what he does. And I think they will probably love this film because, as you said, it pulls a lot from uh, the kinds of yes. co- things he does uh, in other but films. But that being
1: said, I didn't like Interstellar, so...
2: <laughs> okay. Well, a lot of other people yeah. didn't either, Well, but, of um, the
1: Nolan films, that's possibly and, the only one I haven't liked.
2: And but, this is probably well above most of the drivel we get in the way of movies well, that's at the what, theater. Uh, so, that also you know. maybe
1: curtail my review is this is literally the first major motion picture of 2020 I yeah. <laughs> probably watched that isn't just a streamer, so... yeah.
2: I've tried to be kind to the films we've reviewed, but this one, I was much harder on this one because it is supposed to be. Well, one, that, you but know,
1: a this top is where film. you get the feel of the difference between a, a streamed movie, no matter yeah. what the budget is of a, and the stars in a streamed movie, and what a movie meant for, for a, a, bi- a, theater. a giant theater expected well, to do large box office. Let us
2: hope that the vaccine mm-hmm. works and they open the movie theaters again someday. It hasn't gone into the past with temporal pincing or anything and we can we can watch movies in the theater all right
1: so let's get to our review
2: okay one through
1: ten where are you sitting here
2: well i'm going to be the low reviewer this time i'm sure because i gave it a four and my four points are based entirely on the remarkable spectacle that was created that was quite mesmerizing to watch um and i would say to people watch it if you're curious because it certainly is a different kind of film and if you've liked other nolan films i i think you can you yeah. know you watch it but for the most part i i think most people could probably skip it
1: i gave it a seven and a half oh boy <laughs> i thought it was really entertaining yeah. I, I liked the flow of the film and uh The other thing is, I think it's rewatchable. Mm -hmm. I will probably watch this a couple more times to try to pick up little nuances and uh, little small things that give you more and more uh, to the story. Nolan likes to sit those in there. And the more you watch it, the more you can pick up things. I think this might be a movie that people come to enjoy It goes further down the road, and they've seen it, uh, you know, more than one time. I think one time through, so much is thrown at you, you, you're getting a little there's no question about
2: that. And I really do think if you like the kind of things that Nolan does in a film, um, you you would want to watch this. I mean, it's almost like studying, uh, you know, uh, in a film course. There really could be a film course on tennis, couldn't there? Probably so, Or, or at least on Nolan, Christopher Nolan movies, maybe.
1: All right, so that's our ratings. Next week, we get another big motion picture. Another
2: blockbuster. A different kind of blockbuster.
1: Yes. Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, That should be an exciting one. And then after that, I think we're going to do Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom. So uh, those two are coming up, and that's our show. Be sure to join us next week for Wonder Woman 1984. All right. Be sure to follow us on greenlightnetwork.org for all our podcasts. Achilles Rain will be joining us for the NFL Football Time podcast review show. I'm not sure he's going to be in a great mood, uh, but I think he's going to show up nonetheless. Uh, it might be a bitter Achilles Rain, though. Much more bitter than he was on the NBA show. Alright. Thanks for Achilles Rain for joining us, and we're out.